The following podcast contains alcohol-enhanced conversations about alcohol, as well as a potential for discussions about other topics of dubious, disturbing, possibly offensive, but usually hilarious interest. The opinions stated herein are solely of the person stating them, and any endorsement of these opinions by any other party is not implied. Foul language is likely, but intolerant viewpoints are not. Listener intoxication is advised. Welcome to the Whiskey Tangent Podcast, episode 12. I'm Scott. I'm Ed. And today we're going to be exploring a subset of the bourbon world, weeded bourbons, sometimes known as weeders, which are bourbons that use wheat instead of rye as their secondary grain, corn, of course, being the primary grain. Now, it's actually not a very big category, but it contains some very big names, some of which are really hard to find and really too expensive to actually buy when you can find them. But we've chosen two that are inexpensive and readily available pretty much everywhere. Also, for the first time, we're recording on location outside the confines of my apartment. (laughs) We're down the shore, as we Jersey people say, in Wildwood, New Jersey, and we have a guest. So, as always, Ed's going to get us started by telling you, one, which whiskeys we have, two, where in Wildwood we actually are, and three, who's drinking whiskey with us tonight. Yeah, thanks, Scott. So, the two whiskeys, first of all, are weeded bourbons, not wheat whiskeys, and that's a big difference. Don't get confused. And We'll probably do an episode on wheat whiskeys down the road, but today it's weeded bourbons, and we're going to be doing a new kid on the block that's making some waves from the Heaven Hill family in Larceny, all right, stealing the hearts of many, ah. and then uh, <laughs> an old favorite, an icon, if you will, in the bourbon world, Maker's Mark, mm. with this distinctive wax top that many people identify and I was even watching an episode of Boston Legal a rerun today, and it had Maker's Mark really? in the uh, lawyer's office on the bar. And yeah, I know very, you, you can't miss the top. It no, stands out in the background. Very distinctive. We're in Wildwood, New Jersey at um, Bunker's Marina at Post Creek. About 50 boat slips. There's jet ski slips, and then there's also boat rentals and everything like that. It's on a peninsula. It's got about a 300-degree water view. And we're with my good buddy for many years and the owner and operator of the marina, uh, Mike. How are you, Michael? Uh, fantastic, Ed. Thank you for having me. Mike, welcome to the Whiskey Tangent Podcast. Yeah, it's fun to be here, I hope. <laughs> you hope. <laughs> we all hope. You never know how it's going to go. You no, never know. No, we don't. never know. That's no. what that's what the uh, edit button's for. So, the, um, <laughs> so we've all started a little early as a pregame with some larceny. I'm pouring a little bit more because I kind of killed my first glass. <laughs> and so did Mike. Uh, Scott, how are you? A little more larceny to talk um, about? No, I, I'm good. We did a short before this, and we and then we went to have $3.50 steak sandwiches. Right. <laughs> went to the uh, Shippenshire, which is an iconic bad dive bar down here. Well, I should it's say great, dive great dive bar down right. here. Since the 50s, it's been there, if not longer. Wow. And um, they have really good bar food and always have character-filled people inside the bar. And uh, they had a special tonight, a cheesesteak and fries for three fifty. And I swear to God, on the menu, it's eight fifty, And it was the exact same cheesesteak for five dollars off i have no idea how they do it but we had a great experience it was, it was terrific and then just to prime his pumps to be able to determine what's a good whiskey 
Mike had an old granddad down there just to just to shit things up in the back of his throat. <laughs> score my tongue. Right, because there wasn't any bong water around to gargle, so he fucking ordered an old granddad, and, uh, oh and now we're drinking Larceny. So, uh, Scott, go ahead. Tell us about Larceny a little bit. Well, the cool thing about Larceny is when I started um, researching it, it has its roots in the development of weeded bourbons in general. So it all starts. It's like, not brand new. Well, larceny is new, okay. but its heritage is not. Uh, I think you'll be surprised. Go ahead. Tell us a story. Yeah. So it all starts in the 1880s with a brand of whiskey known as Old Fitzgerald, which yeah. you may see on the shelves today. It's still it, around. Yeah. It's still around. Yeah, it's still around. It first registered by the S.C. Herbst Importing Company. The bourbon was distilled for Herbst by one of the sons of Colonel E.H. Taylor, a prominent figure in American whiskey in his own right, and named after John E. Fitzgerald. Johnny Fitzgerald was a former gauger for the U.S. Treasury Department, and that's someone who makes sure that the whiskey was appropriately bottled and stamped and reported to the Internal Revenue Service. So Old Fitz worked as a gauger from 1869 to 1875 when he was fired and indicted for playing a role in the whiskey ring scandal that rocked the administration of President Grant, which I'm sure Ed knows all about. Sure. Being a history teacher. Absolutely. At some point after 1875 and his indictment, he went to work for S.E. Herbst in his distillery, where legend has it, he would pilfer the whiskey from the best barrels, which eventually became known as Fitzgerald barrels, because they were lighter than all the other barrels, because he would drink so much out of them. Now, at this time, it was not a weeded bourbon. It was a regular, traditional bourbon mash. Fast forward to 1910, and a man named Julian Van Winkle, later to be nicknamed Pappy, mm. who had been working for the liquor distributor W.L. Weller & Sons. Wow, just keeps coming. Acquired the Arthur Phillips Stitzel Distillery with some partners and branded it the Stitzel Weller Distilling Company. During Prohibition, it was one of the few who could sell spirits under a medicinal license, which is also when they acquired the Old Fitzgerald brand. Now, Pappy apparently wanted to use wheat instead of rye in his bourbon because he felt it matured faster in the barrel so he could get more product to sale faster. And so the weeded version of Old Fitzgerald was born, one of the first, if not the first, commercially available weeded bourbons. Now, you may be wondering where larceny comes in on all this. Well, skipping ahead to... We all are. 1992... And I'll do this in one long run-on sentence. The Stitzel Weller Distilling Company closed and production of Old Fitzgerald transferred to Diageo, which in 1999 then sold it to the Heaven Hill Distillery, which makes Larceny, a small batch weeded bourbon with a mash bill of 68% corn, 20% wheat, and 12% malted barley aged 6 to 12 years, bottled at 92 proof, and named for the whiskey pilfering ways of John E. Fitzgerald. That's cool. You can see on the bottle in the top it says John E. Fitzgerald. Yeah, right across the top of the label. Six to 12 years is a hell of a range, though. It is. I'm just saying, like... Some have six, some have 12, and they mix them together. All right. I mean, 12 is a long time. That's what it says okay. on their website. There's no time stamp on that. No, they don't They don't actually say that. Well, because if it is more than six, and they use six, then they can only say six. Right. That's why it's called larceny, because the dude right. stole shit. Right. So it's like... <laughs> his barrels were light. Right. His barrels were very light. You know, we've been on a little bit of a run where we keep coming across Heaven Hill products that are just delicious. Yeah. You know, the Elijah Craig is one of my favorites. We've been over that. Right. We did a whole episode on um, Elijah Craig and Evan Williams, which are both right. expressions uh, 
uh, by the Heaven Hill. And even the basic Heaven Hill white label fifth of corn <laughs> bourbon, which costs like twelve dollars, we bought for eleven seventy three. Ridiculous was actually still a drinkable product. And now we have Larceny here for our weeded bourbon episode, and it's delicious. So I take my hat off to him. So let's talk about the Larceny. Color's nice. Dark amber. Um, I th- you could start a Jurassic Park with that. Yeah. So. <laughs> amber, I get it. But, Mike, what do you think about it? I did have a throat surgery about 10 years ago where they shaved my tongue and wrote a root of my throat, so uh, my nerves are much closer to the roof of my mouth in the front. Are they? So shots are much hotter than they used to be. Like I used oh, to be able interesting. To throw them down. Sure. And not feel and the yet pain he I still does, down. everybody. He I still do. I, I champ He still does shots all the time. He's a soldier. But uh, <laughs> I'm finding this delicious. I'm not much for notes or tastes of berries and cherries right. and all that. But uh, Have you had it before, Larson? I have not ever? had it, okay. no. Scott and I enjoyed it at the uh, whiskey tasting, episode three. Yeah, but uh, as we mentioned in one of our other episodes, when you're at a whiskey tasting, you're tasting so many different yeah, whiskeys and so like, many different yeah. styles. It's hard to remember. There were 30-something odd whiskeys there, and we <laughs> had most of them. Um, right. Now, maybe Mike can realize now that we're already down a third of a bottle of Larceny how things go sideways on the podcast which is why that's because originally you didn't have tangent as part of your title you realized you had to add that is that right right because it was it was like a whiskey and then we realized after the first episode we were drunk and went sideways so much like we got to change the name to something that explains this it's a whiskey whiskey podcast so I'm going to push you a little bit. If you were going to describe what it tastes like, what one word would you give it? I find it to be smooth. And okay. uh, it's hitting on the side of the tongue. and uh, It is very smooth. I agree yes. with that. It's 92 I, proof. It's yeah, I don't like smooth. to drink yeah. my whiskeys at proof. I like to drink them with a bit of water okay. to open up the flavors. Right. Yeah, we call and that self-proofing. It, sure. Yeah, and uh, Fred Booker No uh, mm-hmm. personally taught me that. Personally? Personally, yes. Wow. I met him in person. He's the grandson of Jim Bean. Yes. Yes. Stop. Wait. Back up. Wait. Describe the meeting. Small batch bourbon was just being started, and we went to a whiskey tasting at the Holiday Inn, my brother and I. Fred Bogarneau was the guest speaker. So what was it? What year was that? I think it was 94, 95. Is this right. like when Knob Creek and them came out yes. back then? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Bakers, no. Bookers, and um, Basil Hayden. Yes. And when you walk into the room, you get to your seat, and there is a placemat with four glasses, and their circle would say inside which one was, and you had a bottle of water in front of each. Right. And he instructed us to pour the whiskey and pour so much water in to for each one to yes. dilute it to uh, an 80 proof or a little below so to bring out the flavors. He right. said every whiskey, every drink should have water added to it. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because we went on a big thing about that. Mm-hmm. Who was the other guy? Who was the guy that said that he wouldn't transport water around the country? Oh, I think that was Pappy Van Winkle. Yeah. 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 He said that he never goes below 100 proof because he doesn't believe in transporting water around the country. Now, Booker, no. He said that for 100 proof spirit, you could go to 50-50 water and, and whiskey mm-hmm. and not break down the taste signature of the product. So that is true because it dilutes the alcohol, yeah. but not the flavor. Hey, man, how about that? I see. Yeah, that makes sense. I see. Sure. That, that makes mm-hmm. sense. I'll edit that together. Whether It'll be that's great. True or not. <laughs> You'll sound like a genius. <laughs> what, do you, what do you taste, Scott? I taste a little bit of cherry sweetness, light cherries, like uh, maraschino cherry, maybe a little bit of honey. Buttery caramel. Yeah. Like like it's toffee almost in my mouth. It is. Not as sweet as what you would think toffee, but it has that type of like a, of a non-sweet caramel, if it, that makes any sense. It is sweet. So weeded bourbons are supposed to be even a little bit more sweet than regular bourbon because a regular bourbon will have rye as its secondary flavor grain. Right. And the rye imparts the spicy notes, whereas the wheat does not. And mm-hmm. it lets the corn really shine through. I think this finishes nice. I, I think it finishes delicious. Yeah. And what was the cost of this bottle, Scott? You picked this one up. This was, um, uh, it retails about 35. I think 35 is high. I think you can get this between 30 and 32. 
but I don't know how long it's going to stay there, honestly. He's angry about it. I'm not angry at all. <laughs> I'm happy. Yeah, I, I did see it for $34.99 at a certain place. I don't know what it exactly was at the place that I actually bought it at because I bought it for $29.99 because that was my discount because I have a card there because I'm an alcoholic. So, liquor store? Yeah, it's an alcoholic card. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's wine- like a methadone clinic for drinkers. It, it's Wine Works in uh, Marlton. The second whiskey that we have today, I'm pretty excited about this and I'll tell you why. Way, way, way back in the day, my friend Mike who's with us tonight, Maker's Mark was like his bourbon. It's like we would go out and he would have it and it was in his house and we always mix it with ginger ale back in the day when we were younger would you say it was your origin story bourbon yeah i, I actually would uh, they more or less joe cameled me um oh I, you mean by advertising advertising yeah. yes i wasn't even much of a bourbon drinker mm-hmm. um i was a beer drinker and i drank bourbon occasionally but maker's mark really put the, the advertising screws to the people and mm. uh, they had all kinds of i got lamps uh lights all kinds of other things the first spider-man movies they were prominently displayed the ones with toby mcguire toby mcguire oh, yes wow. they, and every- it just got me to drinking uh bourbon and i started carrying around a flask my friends started calling me pop up mainly the girls and uh <laughs> i drove a diesel mercedes at such a young age he did. So it was, and I wore a sweater vest every day at work. So oh. all fit the uh, the bill. Jeez, right. Um, it's, it's like, like the, it's like the commercial where the, the guy on the insurance company starts turning to his father. Yeah, like, exactly. I didn't what see it was. Uh, cover charge on the website. Can we have some jalapeno poppers here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, suddenly you like appeared into a, an episode of Mad Men. Yes, uh, it was. Uh, <laughs> and also, they even had Maker's Mark cigars. They they yes, they I've had, seen them. I've had them. they you know they gave away glasses and they gave away yep, this sure. and shakers. And all it was thing. one of the first bourbons to really do a big marketing right. push, and, and it's very it's very sweet. I think first time bourbon drinkers who aren't into the rise and stuff like that when you're right. young and in your late twenties, maybe I guess I was. Uh, yeah, you were, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe thirty, and uh, thought it was time to stop drinking beer because the weight was gaining <laughs> uh i don't know where i saw it and how i saw it and how i found it but maker's mark was it it found you it definitely yeah. was the introduction to maker's mark was through mike no doubt at the time i did not like it straight in ginger it was okay i simply didn't care for it it wasn't my cup of tea but fast forward 10 years scott and i were, were getting into bourbons we're trying different ones right we go out and get the maker's mark 46 which at that point to us was like we're actually spending over 30 for a bottle of whiskey right because yeah, neither of us were, were right. like oh i don't really like the regular maker's mark oh maybe the maker's mark 46 we well, had the 46 we might like. and we drank about two glasses each one night and we're like this is not yeah, good. We we're, didn't like it at yeah, all. We were so sad. We yeah. were like legit crestfallen. So that's got to be at least 15 years ago, mm-hmm. if not longer. So so now to have regular Maker's Mark straight or neat, if you will, and then on a ice globe, it's going to be a new experience for me because I have not drank that straight in probably 20 years. Yeah. And, and I, I have to add that I probably never had this straight much myself. Right. You were a very I, big I, ginger ale guy. Ginger oh, ale. I see. And that's how I did my bourbons at first. But when I started drinking straight bourbons, it was uh, a Knob Creek. Or a Woodford. Or, a Woodford, yeah. or Booker's. Uh, he likes yeah. Booker's. Mike likes a lot of high proof stuff. And, and actually, Mike, along with Scott, were my Knob Creek influence. Like they mm-hmm. almost, both of them almost always had a bottle of that around. Yeah. And so I started having a bottle of that around. Or if they came over, and even if they didn't, then I would drink it. <laughs> so Maker's Mark has an interesting history. I'm going to run it down real quick. Sure. The original distillery was built in 1889, and it was bought by Bill Samuels in 1953, and they put out their first product, which is basically the same bottle, label, and wax top that we see here today in 1958. Yeah. Now, his wife, Madeline, she was like the marketing guru. She named it, first of all. She came up with Maker's Mark. She drew the label. 
And she came up with the distinctive wax top. So it was bought for $35,000, the distillery was, in 1953. Mm. And then they sold the company to Hiram Walker in 1981, and Bill Samuel's son took over running it almost immediately. So Bill Samuel's Jr. ran the company until 2011, and then his son Rob took over. And the other thing interesting about Maker's Mark is they don't have a temperature-controlled warehouse. Uh, oh, and by the way, it's about six years old. Let me give you the batch bill, too. How about I do my job? Can, can, uh, can I interject sh- real quick? About how, do you know how he came up with the recipe originally? I do, but if you know the bread story? Yeah, yeah the bread story. Yeah, yeah. He, he had been given some uh, recipes from Pappy Van Winkle. He was trying to do a, a weeded whiskey. Yeah, so Larceny right. and Maker's Mark both have a progeny through yeah, Pappy Van Winkle. Yeah, It's pretty neat in that yeah. respect, but he didn't have time to make the seven recipes to figure out which one he wanted to use, so he he made seven loaves of bread out of the recipe. Right. And whichever right. tasted the best was the one they used. Well, yeah. Some had rise and some didn't. So yeah. that's how it ended up being a weeded whiskey. Right. So the one that was the weeded non-rye version of the breads, everyone liked that the best. And that's the one he chose. It's an interesting way to choose a whiskey, yeah. But another thing is, you will notice that under the wax, there is a screw top. And the reason for that is so that the wax does not get into the bottle. And technically, through a cork, it's possible because it's not like a complete seal, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a plastic screw top. Yeah, so we're going to try it. I honestly have not drank it straight in probably 15 years, maybe more. Let's see how it goes. Wow. It's all over my mouth. That's it's what she said. Wow. It's, <laughs> it's really surprising. It's sweet. And it's good. Mm. It's really good. I like it. It's better than I remember. I don't remember yeah. the, after, the aftertaste that I remember is not there anymore. So I don't know if my palate's evolved and changed or yeah. what, but it used to have this aftertaste that I just didn't like, and I'm not feeling that finish right now. I'm wondering if it's because, you know, our experience of tasting different whiskeys. Yeah. Back then, we only had like one or two or three whiskeys oh, that yeah, we, yeah. we really even, liked, and then we tried Maker's Mark. It was like, well, that's not like what we like, so right. I don't like it. Right. We like the very basic corn bourbons and, and this. And now this we're much weed. more right. diverse in our appreciation well, we like, of whiskey. What's funny is we both like rye and heavy rye bourbons, mm-hmm. too. So so this is completely different. Let me try it again. It is. But you know, I, I know now why people really gravitate toward this. It's because it's so sweet and Andy. it's very approachable to people who are not into whiskey. Like this is a great gateway drug for whiskey. Right. We said what for reserve equals that. Yeah. First of all, for 90 proof, it's incredibly smooth. It goes right down. Is that what this is? 90 proof? 90 yes. proof. I don't detect much alcohol flavor in it at all and i'm drinking it neat yes and they talked about walking it back to yeah 86 yes and nobody liked that they idea said, well, listen because they're like they were running out one year and they yep. said listen we're gonna make it 86 and no one can taste the difference we pulled our distillers and our people in the factory and they all can't taste it but we can get six percent more product this way and everybody lost their mind yeah but you we, say it like they told people yeah, yeah. it kind of it got out and people were not happy we talked about it on our like the yeah, first yeah, or second podcast we did right. and so it was it was a mistake so let me tell you how they countered that though this is the part that nobody knows they kept it at 90 but the product that they shipped to australia is 80 um, so they saved some product that way gotcha because they, they hadn't been to australia yet, that's so a good they, idea yeah, so a, they introduced their product to australia at 80 proof and kept ours at 90 and they probably accomplished the same thing the same goal here so then in, in australia if they went to 90 proof would they uh they'd be, be like offended? Oh. <laughs> we're like ah oh, hey what the fuck is this mate 
Is that Australian? That's uh, a, that, that was like Cockney <laughs> and then angry. Cockney, yeah. It's, it's like, like Kangri. Like yeah, that was, that was <laughs> Liverpool. It was Kangri. <laughs> no, um, Liverpool. Oh, Liverpool. It's John and Paul. We're going to make a band called Beatles. Oh, God. <laughs> the fuck is that? <laughs> terrible. That's terrible. Holy accent. shit. That was so bad. It's so bad. You know, another thing Maker's Mark does, too, and I don't know if... Uh, if many people know, but they celebrate uh, the Kentucky Derby every year. They'll have put out a special bottle for that. Mm. And the winning uh, NCAA championship, the, co- the wax color will change oh. from blue to gray oh, or really? whatever team. Uh, they have a lot of special are. bottles. Mm-hmm. And um, you're right about the mint julep comes out. They have three different expressions that they'll do. I saw that at the liquor store. They have a mint julep, have a mint julep version one. of the Maker's mm-hmm. Mark. Yeah. That comes out for a portion of the year. It's still out now, though. I could have bought it. Yeah. They have the regular one, and then they have, I believe they have the cast strength, right? Is that the? Yeah, the cast. I, I cast, think so, yeah. Cast. And the 46. That's not oh. considered a regular. Right. That's oh. a different thing. Sorry. But yeah, the 46. <laughs> you're right. I always know I'm right. Um, <laughs> a little bit of interesting vertical integration for them. Ooh, marketing they, term. Right. Welcome to Ed's Business 101. <laughs> <laughs> I gave up on Maker's Mark so many years ago. I know. It's coming back. Oh, yeah. you, you and, like uh, it now. Well, once I had uh, Knob Creek, and then it went to Woods Reserve. Really? Wasn't that the staple? For- sure. We did a yeah. whole podcast on both of those because well, both of those were our origin stories. And, and Maker's Mark would still be there if I was going to mix. Yeah. I, this, to me, is a little too sweet to sip all the time, but I, I am rehabilitated, in my opinion, of Maker's Mark. I, I don't dislike it anymore. I'm Maybe taking we it off young. the banned list. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. It's off the blacklist of the right. Whiskey Tangent Podcast. Never- we, I'll be honest. We were like wanting to come down and see Mike. We talked about this at least a month and a half, maybe two months ago. We knew he liked Maker's Mark historically. So we're like, you know what? We want to talk about weed at Berman's. And I literally was like, oh, I don't want to drink Maker's Mark. Like I was so like a little kid not wanting to go to school. I'm like, I don't want to drink Maker's Mark. <laughs> and then as, even as I was buying like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm spending $33.95 on Maker's Mark. Like I'm like, I actually thought about is there any 375 of Maker's Mark I could buy? Like, I was being such a bitch about it. And now I'm like, you know what? This is actually delicious. There's nothing wrong with it at all. It's, it, it's a very nice bourbon. It's fine. So what are you guys tasting in it? I really taste a lot of, like, besides the uh, caramel vanilla stuff, um, like a, a like a nutty quality to it. So Peanut pecan butter. Pecan, and I get bananas. Pecan? Bananas, really? I taste Brazilian nut. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but who do? I taste filberts. You mean hazelnuts? <laughs> right. It, it was the, it, it's talk about marketing. <laughs> the filbert uh-huh. is the Patagonian toothfish of nut. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> The Patagonian toothfish was rebranded as the Chilean sea bass. Oh. Yes. And so the Filbert got remarketed and rebranded as the hazelnut because it sounds nicer. It's still a fucking Filbert. <laughs> is that oh, a tree nut or is that a uh, ground nut? Uh, anger there. I don't know. Actually, strange anger because uh, we know uh, it's stranger. Cashews are a tree nut. Yes, and uh, peanuts are a dirt nut. And we're just walking. Nuts. And and did you know that the outer shell of a cashew was? Well, you don't see them in their shells. Yeah, it's yeah, toxic. Toxic, toxic. Peanut, peanut shells. Them. I eat them straight. You eat peanut shells? Why? Oh yeah, all the time. Because it's because cracking them fiber. Fiber. No, no, just because I don't want to make a mess. The mess comes out the end instead of on the floor. I want to change uh, peanut eating throughout the U.S. He wants to achieve diverticulitis. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you just want people to eat peanuts whole? Yeah, they're they're, they're actually peanuttier. Mm. Mm. What do you think about nutter butters? Because they look like the peanuts. I like the round ones. 
the round ones. He doesn't like the the ones that we use. No, for I, I, any peanut butter cookie is good. Oh, you don't like the wafer ones? Yeah, the wafer ones. Oh, yeah, I like the wafer ones actually. Oh, but the peanut butter cookies are good. The cookie itself. Anyway, back to whiskey. Uh, what we're back tasting? Ahead. I'm tasting vanilla oh. and oak, like always. Yeah, yeah. And a little caramely, maybe toffee, but sure. I'm also getting cinnamon. I'm getting a cinnamon. Yeah. Cinnamon, interesting. And, and and a little. I can see your nut. I can see it like a toasted nut on the nose. I'm smelling a lot, like some maple, maybe a little bit of butterscotch, a little. You always smell maple. No, that's not true. I'm thinking maybe you're smelling brown sugar. Maybe. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm doing a what? line of bourbon off the microphone. <laughs> it's reminiscent of the nose of the Angels of your Rye, which is why I'm saying It's maple. striking that you're right. Yeah. Because I smell what you're smelling. I mm-hmm. smell the maple smell. I really do. If yeah. you if smell the bottle, you're going to smell a lot of ethanol. Yes, there, there is a lot of alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let's see if you drink right out the bottle. Hold on. Drink it right out of the bottle. Can I get you a brown paper bag for that? Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's delicious right out of the bottle. Everybody, listen, if you have the chance to drink it right out of the bottle, like maybe driving fast with, the, with a sunglasses on at night, do that. No, no. Do it. day with the top down. Let's really go for Jesus it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I would like to say, whiskey jug guy backs me up. He says there's a slight nuttiness that resides in this whiskey. What's he say in general? In general, um, so let's go on the nose. Spice hits first with waves of caramel, cinnamon, malt, and vanilla cream pie. On the taste, bourbon spice, whatever that is, caramel, vanilla, cherries, and a hint of citrus, and there's a slight nuttiness. The finish is long, dry finish of oak, caramel, and a hint of corn. He's dead right on this one. Right, right in my wheelhouse. He Man. gives this a uh, 87, and he gave uh, Larson an 86, I think it was. Okay. Uh, I would put Larceny a little bit higher than the Maker's Mark. Now, what's interesting, you said well, how much uh, wheat was in the Maker's Mark? Oh, I didn't do the mash bill yet. Oh, I oh. got interrupted. Oh. And I got interrupted about my vertical integration. Oh, my God, you did. I'm sorry. So we I'll, went off on a tangent. Let me jog back. Because we never do that. <laughs> Maker's Mark has a, has a very similar mash bill to Larceny, but slightly different. It is. 70% corn, mm-hmm. 16% red winter wheat. Not just wheat, red, red. Winter, winter wheat. Red winter wheat. Brian. <laughs> and then 14%. Barley. Brian. It's aged for six years. Mm-hmm. Now, here's an interesting fact that we talk about a lot. It's small batch, as Larceny is as well. Mm. And as defined by Maker's Mark, what that means is a bourbon produced in less than a 1,000 gallons, 20 barrels, and about 200 bushels of grain. But evidently, some people's small batches is bigger than that. So okay. I would think there would be a ceiling on what small batch could be, but the floor could be anything you wanted. Oh, yeah, it could be 200. Depending on your capabilities of your distillery. Right. Mm. So the reason why I asked about the wheat content so how much was 16%. the wheat content? 16 percent. so larceny actually has 20 percent. right so they're close to me though the sweetness in the in the maker's mark is higher than in the larceny right and the other thing is mm-hmm. they spell the whiskey w-h-i-s-k-y right without an e and Why do they, uh, do that? they do it to be dicks no they do <laughs> it as a nod to their ancestors who emigrated here from scotland oh yeah. so that's the, fine yeah, I'm, I'm cool absolutely with that. Yeah. so yeah because only ireland and the united states spell whiskey with an e right and it's something to make them stand out but it does kind of give a shout out to their right. scottish ancestors right it's neat i'm, I'm reading the label and mm-hmm. it's it only goes back to my grandfather it's funny it goes back to the 50s but the distillery goes back to the 1880s now on the label is a a logo 
an S, Roman numeral 4, and then a star. Right. The Roman numeral 4 represents which generation of the Samuels created Maker's Mark? Uh-huh. It says the fourth generation. The S cool. before. Yeah. And then, S um, for Samuels, IV for 4, star F, for? Star Hill, which is the location of where the distillery sits. Oh. That is it, poignant. Cool. Yeah, so, pretty good, right? <laughs> Yeah. They've encapsulated their whole thing in the logo. I know. Isn't that what every business And we, we didn't actually talk about the bottle of, of Larceny. So if you look at the Larceny, that has a keyhole on the bottle. And there. if you look through the keyhole, there's, there's a, key a key in the back wow. of the bottle. Look at that. And there's a key on the neck and also on the top of the label. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Do they have an explanation of what that means, Scott? Um, that, that represents the keys that Johnny Fitzgerald used to enter the yeah. Rick houses. Larceny and steal is so his, easy when you have the and keys. And steal his bourbon. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, it's not hard to steal. It's not yeah. stealing when you have yeah, the keys. No, right, simply, that's true. I, simply lifting. Exactly. And uh, that's probably why he was not fired. Mm-hmm. Actually, the barrels that he drank from were probably the ones that they made single barrels out of because they were like, this guy knows what he's doing. They should have made him a taster. I wish this was visible because I could show off my Maker's Mark Bourbon Street lamp for my bar. That oh, wow. Scott that gets n- to see. Now. That's nice. Yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah, this that's is a big bottle. My wife couldn't fit it in. That's cool. Oh, hello. <laughs> well, hello. hello. Your wife couldn't fit it in. Yeah. Wait, what? Behave. What happened? Behave. Um, yeah, if you're hearing like me knock shit around, it's because I'm fucking clumsy. No, I'm talking about no, behave, talking about his wife fitting oh, stuff inside of her. Oh. Sorry, Kim. Um, he said it wouldn't fit. <laughs> you 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 made it dirty. <laughs> no, I did. You're right. Double bowel. Yeah. And this fits in like this. Stop right? saying fits in. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I also had my Schlitz lamp. Oh, God, you and your goddamn Schlitz. Hey. It's the original were, recipes back. What are you talking well, about? The original recipe of Schlitz is really good. As far as American adjunct lagers, they didn't use much hops, but Schlitz did. Mm. Are they making it still? Uh, no. No, they stopped no. making it. Yeah, Why do they stop making it? Because Coors was making Schlitz and Paps for over 20 years, and they had a lawsuit. They didn't want to make it anymore. And Or did they stop making it because nobody liked it? It was good. <laughs> nobody but you liked this, it. No, no. If you will go to the beer advocate, they did it <laughs> over 87. Wow. Oh, wow. I, don't know if that's I mean, Whiskey Jug gave. Um, <laughs> what? Evan Hill or no, Fred Williams? What's over there? <laughs> what a, Fred Savage? Uh, <laughs> Evan what was it? The Heaven Hill bottled and bond was. The Evan Williams. The Evan Williams bottled and bond was higher than the. I don't know. I can't even you're, remember now. You're foreshadowing. Yeah, I am foreshadowing because we recorded the short. Before we recorded this episode, yeah. Mike took a nap, so we did a short that's <laughs> going to come out next week. Right, it comes out after the episode, but we hadn't yet recorded the episode. So right, so it's like the horse before the cart before the, the horse. It's like the anal beads yeah. in front of the ass. Time Jesus Christ! Circle. What? <laughs> We're putting the anal beads in front of the ass. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Something like that. Yeah. Jesus God, <laughs> who wants to start my lawnmower? This come is- on, everybody, step up. <laughs> you start so, your own fucking mower. Let's get this party started. <laughs> Oh, this is totally going off so, the rails. Uh, so I've been coming down to Wildwood since I was five years old, off and on in the summer. And Mike's family was doing the same thing. And so we've been hanging out since then. And we've had a lot of fun times down here. Wildwood is our happy place, I think, as yeah. far as... Uh, yeah, my parents uh, always took us to Ocean City, which yeah, is about a half hour north yeah, of here. Dry town. Um, 
Dry yeah. Cheddar Board. No, first of all, yeah. the anti-whiskey tangent. It's, it's, it's a very family-oriented, fucking boring city. They Play. buy our sand. They do. Right. All the sand washes down from they Ocean do. City. Yeah, it washes do. all the way down yeah. to Wildwood. And then we sell it back we to We sell it back to the load. fucking yeah. rich it's, fucks it's up it's in Ocean amazing. City. amazing. Meanwhile, they drive down here <laughs> to sit on our free beach. By the way, some places it's a half mile between the street and the ocean. Right. We have the world's biggest boardwalk. Mm. It's actually... Is it bigger than Atlantic City? Absolutely. It's the 10th most yep. visited tourist attraction in the world. What? If yes. Disney World's number one, Maurice Pier and Wildwood is 10th. Get out. Absolutely. In yeah. the United States. No, in the world. No. Yes. In the world. No. And that, I should have said amusement parks. I'm sorry. So I the 10th most visited amusement park in the world is Maurice Pier and Wildwood. And you only get that through the three and a half months. Right. Right. And they're only right. big. Right. Think That's about true. that. They hit numbers that get them 10th in the world, and they are only open for three months. Right. Half of June, half of September, and July and August. Right. For the most part. They sell the Sea Dragon. Sure. Uh, they got all of your posters. I there. remember riding that drunk one time. Yeah. Easter. My son threw up on the uh, uh, it. It. Yeah, a couple funny it. stories, real quick. I um, <laughs> I know where we're going. <laughs> Back in the day, there was Fun Pier, Mariners Landing, Hunt's Pier, Maury's Pier, and then there was Portland Pier. Maury's eventually took over all of the piers. But back in the day, the piers were independently owned, and then the rides were actually independently owned. Oh, so like there was a Planet of the Apes ride, for example. The ape people would come out into the boardwalk and try to attract you to their ride, mm-hmm. and haunted people do the same thing. So Fun Pier, I'm about five years old maybe six and i'm walking with my mother my sister's not born yet and my brother's in a stroller so my dad's pushing the stroller so you're six you're already like five foot tall yeah i'm like five foot tall 220 <laughs> so no i was actually tiny when i was all right you're you're, you're all right. being mean no, but no. anyway so um <laughs> i said tall you're, you're being you're being mean just like this person i'm about to describe so we're walking down the very middle of the boardwalk, and then on the far left is a haunted house. And on the second floor, there's a window, and this guy pops out of the window, and he's wearing, like, jeans and a white t-shirt, but he's got, like, Frankenstein green pancake makeup on with blood on his forehead and blood coming down his lip. So he's, like, a scary ghoul-looking dude, you and know? fangs. Yeah. He screams, like, ah, right out the window. So I'm like, holy shit, there's a dude in the window. That's crazy. So he jumps onto the porch, and then he runs sideways and jumps down onto the boardwalk. Oh. And he comes running straight up to me, and he screams in my face. <laughs> right in my face. What did your mom do? My mom punched him in the throat, <laughs> full power, and screamed, what the hell is wrong with you? I love it. Threw a full punch in the throat to him. I watched her. I don't know what my dad did. He might have killed him and thrown him in a trash can. Okay. <laughs> my mom scooped me up. I burst into tears. I was done for the night. This is where it gets funny. Like Funny if you like people who are permanently damaged with PTSD. So now, I never really went to haunted houses, and I don't like horror movies. I don't like Saw 2. I don't like anything that's possession or demons or people walking backwards on the ceiling. I don't do any of that. I don't like Amityville horror. The ring. She's crawling out like of the, the television. Ring. I don't like Halloween. I'm an absolute pussy when it comes to horror movies. <laughs> So about four years ago, I'm on the boardwalk with Michael right here, my boy Mike. His sons are five, my age at the trauma, and eight. And I am 47. 47 years old. So we're in line to go to on Dante's Inferno, which is like one of those. It's called a dark ride where you yeah, sit in a cart you sit and in a it's cart. got slamming doors. Yeah. There's no people inside. There's, there could there's be people. but Flashing but lights and right. things like falling right. to the ceiling yeah. toward you. Yeah. So I'm not even thinking about it. We're bullshitting in line. I'm with them, with the kids. We get up to the front. It's time to get in the right. car. There's an Eastern <laughs> European chick scanning the card. Right. She smiles at me like, mm-hmm. yeah, where'd it come on, you know? And I look at her and I look at the tunnel where the ride goes into. And I look at Mike. I look 
look back at her and I look back at Mike and then my body goes, we're not getting on that ride. <laughs> Whatever part of your psyche controls you, I'm like, right. like yeah, 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 what are you doing? What? I'm going to go on the ride. We're not going on the ride. Go stress eat right now like you always do. I unhooked a rope, step out and rehook it and I mouth to Mike, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And he goes, you're a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and you just walk off the ride? I just walk off the ride. He goes <laughs> on with his five-year-old son and his eight-year-old son. Who probably loved it, right? And I went and bought a dollar hot dog <laughs> and stood next to his wife like a child. Okay? And that's the first time that I realized, 42 years later, that I actually had true PTSD for that incident. <laughs> wow. I couldn't go on the fucking ride. I couldn't do it. I actually had legit damage from that incident. I can't go into a fucking haunted house, no matter how benign it is. It was the most <laughs> playful, friendly haunted house you'll ever see. Dude, I've known you for over 30 years. I had no idea that you were traumatized how as many, a child about... How many scary movies have you watched together in 30 years? None. Zero. Yeah. So, like, I could spend thousands of dollars of therapy or just not go to or haunted just, houses yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of haunted houses in Brigantine there was the Brigantine, Brigantine Castle, Castle yeah. that, was a, that was a big one it was huge the commercial scared me at home so oh. this is a great story I, I'm there with my mom and my cousins my grandmother is there we're going through the thing and it's a lot of jump scares there's like it's the first one that had like actual people like jumping out at you and stuff but they had like rat tails in the walls and like sound effects and all kinds of stuff there was this one room and I still have nightmares about it you walk into the room and the room is tilted like 30 degrees and it's like orange walls and it's very disorienting and there's a door on the opposite side of the room and there's a person standing there near the door with an axe bloodied and the hair is down and they're just looking like they're just looking at you you have to walk (laughs) past this person to get out of the room and we're walking past and it doesn't move it doesn't say anything like one by one and my grandmother was one of the last ones to go (laughs) And she gets up there and he finally says something and he's like, you look just like my grandmother before I killed her. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone, we all screamed. We ran out of the room. It's it's a a funny family moment, but it gives me nightmares to this day because it was so like a dream. It was so disorienting. The Wildwood Haunted House, which had somewhat the same room and at the Mm -hmm. end was a checkerboard pattern with flashing lights and it was a 30 degree slope and the door was at the end, except the person wasn't standing there with an axe. They were actually dressed to the pattern of the wall. Oh, So as you got- You might not have seen them? You would not have seen them. Oh my God. Suddenly they moved. all of a sudden they're out and they're on you. Yes, it was- horrifying and there was rats under the floor it was a steel grate with real rats oh live rats yes yeah wow yeah so at the young age that was scary hey do you want to do that i can't say fuck that loud enough (laughs) (laughs) this is how i feel about that story (laughs) okay buddy listen i can't really make a choice between larceny and maker's mark i feel like they're really comparable i'm gonna choose larceny but but it's close yeah i actually am choosing larceny as more drinkable Mm. uh, Mm. from beginning to end finish and all that maker's mark is still probably the best mixing bourbon out there yeah but but you can drink it straight though sure and i think that's why i like it a little bit less because it's a little bit sweeter than the larceny but i do like it either way you can't go wrong they're both delicious we thank you so much for tuning to this special on location in wildwood episode by the whiskey tangent podcast we thank mike for joining us thanks for having him yeah mike thanks hope you had a good time absolutely yeah it was a fun time all right so we're all going to put our pants back on and go out and uh, (laughs) hit the bars okay (laughs) see you next time
If you enjoyed this podcast episode, be sure to check out our next episode, which is way better than this one. Oh, yeah. Also, follow and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash whiskey tangent. And follow us on Twitter at whiskey tangent. You can follow me personally at that whiskey guy. And follow Scott at Giant Cup of Awesome, spelled A-W-S-U-M, just to be annoying. Hey! You can email us any questions, comments, or love at whiskeytangent at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us always at our podcast website, whiskeytangent.podbean.com.